We're back. What's going on, bud? Finally a win. Yeah. Did you see it coming? I did. You know, I don't see the I don't see the Bruins with Halak playing the way he is struggling for for more than two two games in a row. No. And he had to get that type of win to go ahead and get the media off of his back, get people that have said trade this, trade that. He's not playing well, get rid of the backup. He had to pull a win out like that for sure. And Halak is, is a lot of flag for the first goal. Um, and I think – I don't think he should. I think he should be getting more for the second goal, and I'll tell you why. The first goal, you know, as a goaltender, the, the toughest shots to save are the ones right around your midsex, right by your side, and especially blocker side where you don't have as much leeway as your glove side. A low save like that where you have to punch your blocker down, it's, it's more awkward than it sounds, especially when it's tight against your body and you have to pin that puck against your body and time it just right. It's, it's a save that's underrated and is a lot more difficult than it looks. It's a necessary save, but it's harder than it looks. And that second goal with that one time, he saw that, if you saw the replay, he saw that the entire way and just flat out missed it with his glove, which is one that you should have. Yeah, it's easy to say, you know, in replay, but he missed you know, it. He missed. He missed it completely. Um, it's a puck that's flying, you know, ninety miles an hour. To you know, to his credit, but if you see that all the way for a goaltender of Halak's caliber, that is one that you need to have. It is, and it goes back to the fact that the Bruins' defense, or I should say, actually the wingers, are just leaving the blue line wide open every game for defensemen to fire shots. And when they play a team like the Islanders and you have Johnny Rocket and guys like that, yeah, there's going to be issues at the blue line. We can't lead that blue line wide open because our net front presence on offense and defense has been an issue month after month, and you can't allow those shots on a consistent basis. Exactly. And when you – I mean, when you have goaltending – the goaltending duo and with, with the caliber of Halak and, and Tuka Rask, generally – you can feel free to leave those 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 blue line one timers open because generally, if if you're good at clearing out the traffic in front of the net, you're gonna let Halak and and, and Rask suck those up all day long. So that's where the Bruins need to fall. Need to improve is if you're gonna let that happen. If you're gonna let those shots from the blue line and those the just if you're gonna let defenders rip those shots, you need to be able to clear that traffic out in front in front of your goaltender so he can so you can allow him to suck everything up. So my question to you. We're at the all-star break, which even though it's not quote unquote halfway through the season, it's about 50 something games through yeah. an 82 game season. A through F, what is your grade for the Boston Bruins going into the all-star break? I'm giving them a B plus. B plus. I'm giving them a B plus simply because you got you know that the run at the beginning of the season was unprecedented. It was phenomenal, it was exciting hockey. And then they slumped because you expect a slump, but it, you expect a slump out of any team that, that comes out hot because a slump is inevitable no matter what sport you play. Um, you, know, you know, if you're in college, you're, you're at the professional level, you're going to slump at one point in your career. But the way the Bruins didn't let, you know, you start at the top, the way the Bruins didn't let it, they didn't panic. They didn't let it crumble their season the second they hit their slump. They remained at the top of the Atlantic Division. They're, they're battling it out with Tampa Bay. And you know they're they're back to playing good hockey. It was it was it was definitely a lot of question marks, but I think if 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 the Bruins you know slipped to third or fourth in the Atlantic Division, I would give them probably a B minus, maybe a C plus. 
But the way the Bruins have been playing good hockey again as of late with just some bad bounces, some bad games built in there, I'm giving them a B plus. So I'll tell you guys this. I have to agree with them. I'm in the B area solely because if you would have asked me at the beginning of the season, we're going into the all-star break and we have an eight-point lead in the Atlantic division, would I be happy? Would I be frustrated? Would I like where we're at? I would absolutely be pleased where we are solely because going into the season, we were told that we can't keep up with Tampa. Uh, Toronto's on a completely different mode this year to where they're just going to start running tables on people. They've already fired a coach. Tampa's hit, miss, hit, miss. They get a great streak. They drop it, which we've done the same thing. Granted, our good streaks have lasted longer than our really bad streaks. Yeah, you guys know I'm the one that I don't like the, hey, we got a point, but we've got 15 points by losing. That's huge. And we have an eight-point lead going into the playoff. And, Carter, I know you can vouch for this for you playing as well. Having the all-star break and a week off is exactly what this hockey team needed. Absolutely. And you look at, you know, Rask, you know, avoiding that suspension. Unfortunately, it came at the expense of a concussion. But Rask doesn't have to get suspended a game. Granted, you wouldn't be missing much with Halak in net. He's, you know, he's – I'm going to use the word capable again because that's what he is. Um, and, you know, you get uh, time to rest for a concussion. you got a whole g- bunch of guys that are sore, banged up. Um, you got guys that are rehabbing injuries that are going to have an extra week and a half to – to to rehab and get back to game speed and it's what's what I'm curious to see happen and I think what we're all interested to see is what happens with David Backus after the All Star break. Agreed, and I would even also add that to Colin Miller or uh, Miller as well. I Kevin Miller, yeah, yeah, Kevin Miller. I mean, guys, he's been skating on and off. He hasn't played. Um, Backus, if he sits on waivers, which I do think he will, and I think he'll come right back to us solely because. Nobody's going to pick him up on the waiver wire. Um, John DeRochi agreed with you. He says a B-plus as well. Wesley says, do you think them winning going in will not light the fire under them as much as if they would have lost tonight? What are your thoughts on that? I don't think it really would have affected much. I think the morale in the locker room was, remains the same after a win. is the same it's, as when they lose, I think they're, they they realize what they did right and they realize what they need to work on. So I think I think Bruce Cassidy is going to have a lot to think about going into the All Star break. Um, as in, I, I'm pretty sure he was selected as the Atlantic Division captain. Am I? Or I mean, not the Atlantic Division coach. Uh, if if uh, somebody wants to to fact check me on that, but Bruce Cassidy is going to I think have an interesting time at the All Star game, getting to talk with some of these stars and some of these other great coaches, and I think it'll be good for him to see how other teams operate. So but I don't I don't think I don't think a win or a loss would have dictated um, uh, the Bruins coming out of the Oster rig with a spark or not. Not at all. And I'll say a couple of things. One, the fact that we're eight, we have an eight point lead in the Atlantic division. The biggest thing on the talk right now is trade. And it's going to yeah. be for the next, what, four weeks. We're still going to consistently talk trade. Scott Tackleberry says we need to trade for three players to Foley, Dylan and Mason. What are your thoughts on that? And who do you give up? If you're going to make these trades, who are you giving up for these players? And do we need to do that? Or does this break give the team what they needed to go back to what they were doing at the beginning of the season? I'll say this. I don't – it was Toffoli. Who else? 
Uh, he said Toffoli, Dylan, and Mason. I, I Dylan Mason, not even on my radar. I think Toffoli and all I've heard about the last week is Chris Kreider. Yep. Um, so I I think they the Bruins still really want Toffoli, but it doesn't sound like he's their primary target anymore. Or they're not going to be willing to give up whatever it's Kreider. Uh, Los Angeles wants. It's Kreider. It's a hundred percent Kreider because for them to make the comment that hey. We're going to leave Toffoli, quote-unquote, and we've seen it on multiple posts in our, quote-unquote, back pocket, tells me that they're going after Kreider. Yep. And if they don't get him for whatever reason, or the Rangers are demanding so much to where we don't make a move with them, they've got Toffoli in the back pocket to go ahead and ship a Heinen, uh, a Moore, a pick, a prospect to bring Toffoli in. I firmly believe I. The person, the people, and or prospects, I would be willing to give up. I I wouldn't miss John Moore too much, although I love how well he skates. Um, I wouldn't miss a, a guy like an Erho Vakaninen. Um, and someone like you know a Par Lindholm, um, or, or and, and I, a couple prospects that I don't you know. There's there's sentiment attached to some of these guys for me within Providence, but not a ton of guys that. I think if you asked any Bruins fan or just the fan base, you wouldn't want to see any of the big names go just because there's a sentimental value attached to that player or that person. If you, if you send somebody to, to Los Angeles or, or to, to New York who you don't know, or you've only seen come up to Bruin, come up to, to Boston and in preseason and wherever it may be your development camp, they, they wouldn't care. So I think, those kinds of prospects who are promising, but you don't really know them. That's those are the ones that I don't really care about. So Scott said it again. And the one thing he's continued to say that I completely agree with him on is he doesn't want Kreider's because we don't need another left wing score. We need a right wing. And that's going to immediately put him on the left wing. Do you see a player on Boston that we can move to the right wing to allow him to be on the left and still have that scoring presence on the right wing? I think you could put, I think you could, yeah, I think you could put Coyle anywhere. Uh, as much as you love him on the third wing, center, third line center, um, David Krejci is a versatile guy. Um, I think any of our fourth liners would be willing to do whatever Bruce Cassidy wants him to do. So, just because they're the you know they're the grinded out guys, I think a Joakim yeah. Nordstrom is a guy who could move anywhere. Um, but uh, or you know a Chris Wagner, but uh, those are just examples. I think if you took any of those guys that are fighting. For, for to remain in Boston and not get sent down. Those are the guys that are willing to do whatever it takes to remain at Boston. Yeah, and he said hell no to train him, or trading Vakanine, and I don't think we need to trade him. I'd love to see Frederick come up more and play due to the physicality and see if he can be as physical as he is in the, AHL, in the NHL. Because my biggest concern, you see guys that are physical, tough, strong in the AHL, but remember, those are boys. Yeah. Come up to the NHL, you're playing against men. There's a big difference. I've seen a lot of you guys post and comment about Frederick. He's a fighter. He's tough. He's what we need for physicality. Guys. He fought he fought in one game in preseason. Okay. I'm not yep. like good for you dude. Like I'm like props you fight you fight anyone in the NHL. That's that takes that takes something. Um but you know, it, it's a preseason game versus you're playing against, you know, Ryan Reeves. You're playing against a Tom Wilson. Those guys will, will put a dent in your head, and it's not something that you need to take lightly. 
Scott says no to what you're saying. We need a true right wing natural. Okay, Scott. I I get where he's coming from, but at the same time, Scott, you got to remember these guys are NHL caliber. They can adjust from left to right. If you can't, you're not being demanded for a trade. And you gotta you gotta go to the Sweeney mindset. And you gotta think there's no way he's sitting there saying, Oh, I'm not gonna trade for Kreider because that gives us three left, one right. He knows what he's working with. Yeah. So if he wants Kreider, that's due to the natural play and ability that that guy has. I understand your mindset, Scott, where you're at with it. It's another left winger. But at the same time, I also firmly believe that if you're that talented, you can play left wing or right wing without any concerns. I really, exactly. really do. Exactly. And I think tonight, just on sort of sort of related note, and when we talk about right wingers is, I think tonight just signified how much we really miss a guy like Carson Kuhlman. Yes. I think he is one of the most underrated players in this Bruins roster right now. We missed him. He had, I think he was a broken leg or, or foot or whatever it was, but he was in a walking move for a while. And he is so fast and he is just fearless when it comes to going in, going into those corner boards and digging out the puck. But he wins races. He creates chances out of nothing. And I think he had a couple of those tonight and, I think when he's healthy and he when he's back up to game speed, he is a dangerous, underrated, underappreciated throughout the league, and people people will sleep on a Carson Coleman when they see him on the ice. So another comment for Scott. He says, "Get rid of McAvoy for Lane." You can't get rid of McAvoy after after what you know, after the money you just paid him. You need to give him a chance. It might it might just be a slump. Everyone has a. a, a this isn't his sophomore season, but you know I'm going to call it a sophomore slump anyway. Everyone is going to have a season where they're not up to the standards that they set. And sometimes it's just it's just when you sign – I've seen it happen before. The second these players sign a new deal worth a lot of money, their play kind of dips a little bit because they're not playing with enough – or uh, the same kind of motivation. They're not fighting for a contract anymore. So it's just a little bit off. I think you need to give back a boy a chance. Just because he's had a bad string of games isn't, isn't reason to trade him. He's got a lot of potential. He's 20 – he's what, 21, 22? Yep. He's, you know, he's two years out of out of Boston University. It takes some time. Not everyone's going to be a Kale McCarr straight out of UMass. No. So now I'll tell you, Justin Lambert agrees with you because he says I I get what Scott's saying, but at the same time, playing the opposite wing always opens up more scoring angles. And Justin, I can completely agree with you on that because if teams are used to playing you on a certain wing and they know the type of hockey you play, everybody that's played in the league for a number of years knows what Kreider likes to do. Well, you shift him over to a wing that nobody's used to guarding him on. That's going to be completely different because you know you don't know where he's going to shoot the puck from. You don't know how he's going to enter the zone. Everything is going to be completely different. And again, I firmly believe the number one asset that the Bruins are looking for, and I'm not necessarily saying I agree with it, is Kreider due to the fact that that one comment has stuck in my head for two weeks now. The whole, we have a deal for Toffoli in our back pocket. I mean, why else would you say that if you don't have something else in place or that you're not working on something different? It's, it's a very, it's a, it's a Belichickian way of doing business. It's not, it's sort of, it might even just be, they might not even be in the slightest bit interested in, in Tyler Toffoli, but making everyone else think they are might raise some sort of stake. It's some sort of, some sort of profit for Don Sweeney the Bruins. Well, not even that. It could get the Rangers to think, okay, if we don't work with the Bruins here and there's nobody else really invested in this type of trade, 
then they're going to go after Toffoli and we're stuck with Kreider. So you guys got to remember, stuff that you read all the time, a lot of stuff's thrown out there solely because they want to make teams think they're going a certain way to make them throw all their cards in and say, whoa, 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 whoa. before you look elsewhere, here's what we'll go ahead and do. Um, Amanda said, no way, don't get rid of Charlie. I completely agree. Carter agrees. We're not, we're not doing anything with, with him. Um, Scott says, we have Vakaninen and Jeremy in the minors and our NHL-ready guys like McAvoy and Krug become expandable. I I can't expendable seems a little bit extreme. I I can't agree with you on that, Scott. Usually I'm on the same page with you, but at this point, if you look at how young our defense is, subtract Char out of the equation. Because let's be honest, Char has the reach, and he has the physicalness to where after a play stops, nobody wants to mess with any of our guys because of him. At the end of this year, he will retire. He will not play another year. I still think he will be involved in the Bruins organization somehow, some way. But then you look at our defense at that point, and we're young. They're all under contract. If you get Krug under contract, our defense is set for the next five years. And that's that's a, that's a fast, very physical, very offensive-minded, two-way defensive core. And that's scary. That's a very, very fast – the, the, it's – it's I can't, I'm at a loss for words with the ability with the two way ability that just about every single one of our defensemen have, and it's just so dangerous. It is. It absolutely is. Now we got some good things here. Doreen says Hyde needs to go. He just doesn't fit the team. After that, Justin replies back to her. Did you watch tonight's game? I think Grizzlick needs to be put on the trading block by Kevin. Grizzlick. That's hit or miss for me because I like the guy, but at the same time, I think we could utilize something better and maybe more physical. I will still have to agree with Doreen even after a good game tonight. I think Heinen is tradable, a hundred and ten percent. See, I'll say I'll say I'll say this about both Heinen and Grizzly. For Heinen, Heinen does a lot of the stuff for the Bruins that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. He's not afraid to get gritty. He's not a, he's not afraid to get in front of the net. He's not afraid to take the shots through high traffic, you know, that don't, you know, that don't end up on net, but might get deflected wide or blocked. Heinen does a lot of the dirty work and he's a great skater. He's very fast. He's not, he doesn't do a lot of, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes that, that cost the Bruins. I don't see it happen a lot. I see a lot of people frustrated with that. He's not scoring goals or the fact that he's not showing up on the stat sheet, but Heinen does a lot of the stuff that not a lot of players in the league are willing to do with for a guy his size and with Grizzlick, Grizzlick reminds me of a younger Tory Krug he's fast he's under he's a little bit undersized but he's not afraid to be physical he loves the, that cross ice uh that cross rink pass and he's a he's a great skater so I and and along with his ties to the city being from from Charlestown and having his dad work at the garden. I just don't think his, think his there's too much his sister, that ties Grizzlick to the city of Boston. His sister works at the garden too. Yeah. And I, so that was perfect. That was a perfect transition because Kevin says, keep crew, same skill set as Grizzlick. Get rid of Grizzlick. And see, I, I, think, I, I can I think see if you that. coach Grizzlick up, I think if you coach him up a little bit more, he's still a really young guy. I remember him watching. I remember watching him play at BU the same time as, Charlie McAvoy, it's they're still young. They still have time to be developed. They're just developing under a massive, massive microscope 
they're, they're developing at a time when most players are in Providence or, or in the USHL or in, or in the ju- or in juniors for another year. These guys are young guys that are still that are just developing in the NHL. So I say just give it some time. Agreed. And see that comes back to the to the Boston sports fans mindset. If you're not playing well now, if you're not winning, if you're not making a di- difference, no matter how young or old you are, it's quick to jump to the snap the finger. Let's get rid of you. You're not doing what we need right now. When you just got to take a breath and step back. Look at the age. Look at the amount of game time they've got. Look who they're paired with. There's so many different scenarios. Scott says Miller will retire. Krug will walk if we don't trade him. Grizzlick should be resigned. So I think if we can throw a decent enough offer before the trade deadline comes up, Krug will sign. Now, I will say, and Carter, I don't know if you agree with it, I will say if you don't have a deal made within the last week of the trade deadline, you do got to get rid of Krug because if he rides out the entire season and gets the offers and double the money that he that the Bruins may be willing to offer, I don't see him taking a home down discount when there's a very, very high chance that he'll go back to his hometown, Detroit, and they'll pay him nine or ten million dollars a year. See, I'm gonna start with I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack a little bit before I talk about Krug and, and Kevin Biller, but with with guys like with McAvoy and Grizzly, I, I, I liken it to or I would compare it to a guy like Rafael Devers in the Red Sox and that, you know, he's 22, he's, he's 20 years old, 21 years old. I forget how old he is exactly, but he's like 20, 21, 22 years old. And, he, you know, making small errors at third base, striking out it on pitches that normally you should wait on. And people are saying, you know, get rid of him. And he's and, you know, he's, he's he needs to go. And it's like, guys, he's 22. Normally, guys are still in college where guys are in the minors for another six or seven years before they even make, get a shot at the at Major League Baseball. This kid is special. He's just developing in front of hundreds of millions of people. Just give it, give it a second. So when we talk about guys like, you know, when you mentioned Kevin Miller retiring, I don't – the determination I see out of Kevin Miller and following his social media and, and everything surrounding him, I, I'm, you know, I've, I've met him a couple times myself, and he's just – it, you just see determination. You feel determination when you shake his hand. He doesn't quit. He, you know, you look at, like, think about his his partnership with Brad Marchand and Marsha Milko and their partnership together with that brand and how that's surrounded in the city of Boston. Kevin Miller wants to come back and play hockey. You don't break both your knees and come back right away. It just takes some time. Yeah. He's just been so unfortunate. You know, he broke one kneecap and then he broke the other while he was rehabbing the first one. And that's just got to set you back. But he just keeps working hard. And Kevin Miller, yeah, I, I don't see him retiring. If, if he breaks something else or, or pulls something or tears something while he's still rehabbing right now, just as he's getting back to the ice, that might be a blow to morale. But I don't see Kevin Miller retiring and moving forward to Tory Krug. We talked about this the last podcast. I think might have been the podcast before, but Krug isn't going to go to a city. He's not going to just go home to go home. He wants to play on a team that's going to win. He wants a team that's going to that's that has a chance at at, at at a playoff run. And Detroit is still in a in, in the midst of a long rebuild. It's and it's and I don't think Tory Krug is the type of a guy that's just gonna that's gonna deal with losing just so he can be closer to home. Now Amanda said it best. Let's be honest. As much as it hurts, we have to get rid of someone that is a great player. Guys, we've talked about this before. Take your fan stance out of the equation. It's a business move. 
there's finances involved. There's longevity involved. There's age involved. And then there's gameplay involved. You can't look at, oh, I love this guy. I think he's been great this year. No. What's he going to do for us next year, the year after, and the year after that? Also, what are we going to pay him? What kind of cap hit is that going to be for us? If we sign him, what's that going to do to the guy next to him or below him or even above him? There's so many stances that you have to look at that nobody wants to. They're like, oh, they hear a big name, Krug. We need to get rid of him. What? That's Tory Krug. That's my favorite player. He's awesome. You can't get rid of him. There's so much more that goes into it. Now, a very good question by John. What three D-men do you protect, Carter, in the expansion draft? I'm protecting Carlo. That's uh, one he's got. I am protecting I, – I want to protect Tory Krug. Um, I just think he's, I think he's got, I think he's got more time in Boston than people. I think people, I think he's going to ride it out. I think he's going to do what Brady's doing and explore return home. Who's uh, your third? We can get into that later. Uh, Who's your I third guy? My third guy. You're missing one and it's point blank. And I know you want to say it. <laughs> Come on. I'm going to say if you said Carlo and Krug, there's only one other guy on defense that you have to protect in the expansion draft. It's McAvoy. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I and didn't want to say – I wanted – I honestly – I honestly wanted to say Grizzly. Well, Scott says Clifton. So, I – and I look at Clifton and Grizzly almost as the same. I really do. But – I I I think I think yeah, Grizzly might just be a shorter Clifton. Clifton is a gutsy gutsy guy. He's fast. He's he's got a he's got you know great hands for a defenseman. He's a great skater, and he's just not afraid to get up in anyone else's business. So as funny as it sounds, or as awkward as it sounds, guys, we go into the All Star break with an eight point lead in the division. And we both, we've all agreed on that. If you would have said that at the beginning of the season, you would have thought, hey, we're Stanley Cup bound. Uh, Tampa's not doing good. Toronto's not doing good. You'd be so surprised right now to say that. But we do go into the all-star break with a lot of questions. Who's going to be traded? Who do you sign? Do you let somebody walk? We are a team right now with the players we have that can absolutely 100% make a playoff run. And I look at games like tonight to where you just you fight and you claw through it against a team that's just down in the dumps like Vegas and just battling it out and trying to upset for others. I think we can make a run as is, but I will say, like I've said for a month now, and Carter, you've also mentioned it, we need to make a trade just to light a spark under this team, period. And that's how I'll end my Bruins standpoint. Carter, if you've got anything else on the Bs besides what you've already said, that, that, that's where I've got to end it going into the all-star break. I'm still confident in this hockey team. Yeah, I think you, if you sit on – if you do what the Red Sox did, just sit with the roster that you have, it's going to – it's going to – for whatever reason, I see no issue in not making a move, but it's going to bother the fans if, if nothing happens and you see other teams making these big blockbuster deals and you're like, what about us? <laughs> it so, will bother the fans. I think, I think It some, will bother the fans if we lose. Yeah. Now, if we win – and all of you know it, for anybody that said we need to make a trade, we need to make a trade, we need to make a trade, even myself, if we do go on a huge win streak and win 
11 out of 12 after the All-Star break, you're going to have all the people. See, we were good all along, Brandon, Carter. What were you guys talking about? You, you said trade. We need to make a trade. We didn't. Look at us now. So whether we trade or not, and it's, whether we win or lose, it's always going to sway one way or another as if you are wrong at what you're expecting going into the All-Star break. See, I, I expect both. I don't expect – I expect maybe one move. And if, I, if, I don't, if, if the Bruins don't make any, any big deals or we just get a Kreider or, you know, nothing happens, I'm not going to be surprised at whatever the Bruins do. No, not at all. Swinney's always got something up his sleeve. Always. I forget, I forget who it was during, the, during our last podcast who said, Don, I give Don Sweeney too much credit. I do not, <laughs> under any circumstances, give Don Sweeney too no, much credit. No, you do. You do. Um, I, I look at like that at the Celtics organization where I've said 100 times they need to make certain moves, and they don't, and then they make the right move, and I'm just sitting here biting my tongue like I should have never said anything in the first place. Um, speaking about management and what's going to happen, what's going to happen to our Boston Red Sox? It's, uh, we have no manager right now. Uh, are we going to be penalized? Is the title going to be stripped? The LA, the LA so, council already anonymously voted no. to strip the titles. So, here's what I'll say about that. And I did read that. So LA, LA count, they, they, they voted to have the titles from the Astros and the Red Sox stripped and given to the, no. So if, if you, if you want to strip the titles from the Boston Red Sox and the Houston Astros, fine. But that doesn't mean that the Dodgers won because if you take away the, you know, if the if the if the Red Sox and the Astros don't cheat and they lose in the first round or they lose in the second round, that doesn't mean that the that the Dodgers are automatically going to still win the World Series. They might lose to whoever the Red Sox or the Astros. Absolutely. Beat. So you can't you can't just gift. I'm fine with nobody having won that year. Just having an asterisk and be like, that's a moment in history, you know. They cheated, and, they, and then we took their titles away, so nobody won. Fun fact, nobody won the 2017-2018. That's How okay. do you explain that to people? So, you have kids when you grow up. and Dad, who won the 2017-18? Nobody. Nobody won. Yeah. It's like it's like when, you know, there whether to be a lockout or a strike, the, the same way there would be a lockout or a strike, there's, you know, nobody won that year. So you're not going to gift the Dodgers a World Series just because they got screwed twice. So it does it suck for LA? Yes, but it doesn't mean that you wouldn't have that you would have lost to another team that made it to the World Series. We've got uh, we've got some choice words on here from Best. She said LA Council is a bunch of, and I'm just gonna leave it blank for everybody's mind to wander that's listening. Kevin said, I hate the Dodgers. Best said Amen Carter. And uh Kevin said, as well as Kershaw. So I agree with you hundred percent. Guys, the LA Council is saying give the titles. <laughs> You can't do that. It doesn't happen. I'm a Patriots fan. We're all, most of us on here are Patriots fans. You can't say, oh, deflate gate. We won the Super Bowl, but no, we didn't because of deflate gate. Like everybody cheats outside of Boston. Nobody wants to say that. The good thing is what, what I find hilarious. So the Astros start getting investigated with a camera being put in the scoreboard. Then you hear about a TV being in the dugout. Then you hear about a trash can being hit. Then it goes all the way to a buzzer being strapped to Altuve and Bregman's shoulder to buzz whenever a certain pitch is being thrown. 
which I think is hilarious, and I don't think that's the case. Do you, but, but did you see Altuve not want his jersey ripped off? Do you firmly believe that? Because, reading, I think people are reading way too much into that. What about, did you see the picture of Bregman with his shirt off in the interview and Tate being on his shoulder? I did. I mean, it, it's having played, having played through college, having played soccer through college, you got tape everywhere. You got tape on all every single one of your joints. You, you are being held together, you know, whether that be after rehabbing an injury, you're, you're sore, you just want a little bit extra support. You got tape all over your body. So that doesn't, that doesn't phase me in the slightest. I think people are just trying to read into anything they can find at this point. I, so I'll say that. So the good thing as a, as a Boston fan is the investigation started with the Astros and immediately there was stuff being found over and over. It was uh, the trash can, the TVs, the cameras, all of that. The Boston Red Sox did not fire Cora due to the fact of cheating. Boston Red Sox, they fired him to cover their ass due to the fact of what he did with the Houston Astros. The investigation is still going on with the Red Sox. Carter, we talked about it earlier, and I'll let you speak to it because I want to. I want you. You you had something lined up for me, but you said you'd save it for this. JD Martinez on live TV made the comment, "I'm ready for the investigation to be over," solely because they're not going to find anything. The reason I like that comment is if I knew of any involvement going on, if I knew what we were doing, I would say no comment. No comment. That way, if it did come out, I wasn't lying on on live TV. He point blank said he's ready for it to be over because they will not find anything. If they do find something, now he looks like a complete idiot and a liar. Do you think, Carter, the Boston Red Sox did any type of cheating to win the World Series? I I, I just think it's hard to argue the contrary just because you look at the link between Alex Cora, what he did with Houston, and all of a sudden he comes to the Red Sox and the Red Sox win 108 games in the regular season. It's hard for me to imagine that that isn't correlated. Agreed. Granted, granted, everything that the Red Sox are doing with using the replay room illegally is done throughout the entire league. That is obvious. And, it, you know, it's just what happens when you introduce too much technology into the game, into any sport. But when you're when you win and you win a lot of games and you win a World Series, you win a World Championship, they're going to look into everything that you've done to win. Every team is going to look at you and say, "What are they doing differently?" Or what are how every team is cheating? If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's the old saying, obviously. But it's 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 hard for me to imagine that you know it's nice that you know. Dombrowski's gone, Cora's gone. Who else can you really blame for this aside from the players that may or may not have used the system? So, you know, you got you got you got your manager gone, you got your GM gone. It's just like I, I it's hard for me to not imagine that those things aren't aren't there isn't a And don't forget guys, the accusations of the Boston Red Sox cheating came from a disgruntled employee that is no longer from the Boston Red Sox, which can work one of two ways. He's ratting him out because he's pissed because he doesn't have a job anymore. Or the fact that he knows what happened with Cora and he wanted to just stir some shit in, in Boston. And what sucks is as a Boston sports fan, we are known, it's, guys face it, we are known as quote-unquote 
cheaters. The best part about it is I hope they do what the, what the Patriots do. Every single year, the Patriots have been accused of cheating. Besides the Bengals filming, that became nothing this year. Every year, we're accused of cheating. The season that starts next, we won a Super Bowl. So let's hope that that trends with the Boston Red Sox and we go on and win a World Series this year. Because unfortunately, last year sucked because everybody returned. All the key components besides Kimbrell, who I still think was very overrated, um, returned to the team and we had a bad season. Now, Carter, there's talks. uh, You've probably read about it. That teams are inquiring about Mookie Betts. And the Red Sox are immediately linking David Price with Mookie Betts, saying, if you want Mookie, you're going to get David as well, and we're going to get something in return. So I, as much as I would hate to see Mookie go, I would be so beyond curious to see the massive return that, that would come with a trade with Mookie Betts. Because, what, because Mookie Betts, you know, he's, he's an all-star, he's a silver slugger, He's a gold glover. He's everything you want in a baseball player. He's an incredible player all around. What could you possibly give the Red Sox back for Mookie Betts? Agreed. And on the flip side, I look at it this way. Everybody says, pay Mookie, pay Mookie, pay Mookie. That is the fan talking. Guys, think about this. You pay Mookie Betts. You turn into the Los Angeles Angels of the MLB League baseball. They pay Mike Trout what he wanted to get paid and they don't have room or leverage to get anything else. Carter hit the nail on the head, get rid of Mookie and get all the assets in return. And if you can ship price out with him too, and unload that cap and all the money you owe him, the return you would get for both those guys, plus the room that you would open up. Don't forget guys, you got to sign Devers. You got to figure out what you're going to do with JD Martinez. You have to sign Ben Attendee, even though he had a down year. Jackie, you have yep, Jackie Bradley. Jackie Bradley, and I'm sorry, guys. I don't care what you say. Jackie Bradley is an asset to this baseball team. You need JBJ on your team. His 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 defensive ability is unparalleled. You, you can't compare. I don't care if he doesn't hit. He could bunt and strike out every time. But what he does in the outfield to prevent runs from scoring on a game to game basis outweighs what he does at the plate 110%. But if you sign Mookie Betts, mark my word, you lose Ben Attendee, you lose Jackie, you're not doing anything with J.D. Martinez, and you're going to have to give Devers a good chunk of money. All that's gone. And then who knows what happens with the pitching at that time. I love Mookie. He is one of my favorite players. I, if I had a dog, like that's how much I love him. But y- y- you can't sign him. Too many teams sign these big players to big money, and then they're stuck, and they can't do anything because they don't want to pay the luxury tax, and they have no room to bring any other player in for money. You can't do it. Exactly. And when when we talk about getting rid of Price, when we acquired Price, we got what we wanted out of him. We got a World Series with him. So, and he he's expressed the fact that he doesn't really want to be in Boston anymore. He wants to. He wants. No, I want to say too much money, but for what he's done for the teams that he's pitched for, he wants the appropriate amount of money that he's owed, and the Boston Red Sox just can't afford that, and they can't afford his ego anymore. So I think, you know, you lose Mookie Betts, and you get an incredible return for whatever that may turn out to be, and then you get rid of a pitcher who doesn't want to be here anymore, and you got everything out of him that you wanted. 
No, I, I absolutely agree. And guys, we had a we had a down year. We had a down year with pitching. It wasn't good. That doesn't mean that we can't come right back this year and have an outstanding pitching. Chris Sale, bad year. It happens. And guys, I all Carter, I think you'll agree with me on this. Just like the Patriots this year, they won the Super Bowl last year. If you don't win it this year, I'm not that disappointed. No matter how the season ends, whether you win a couple games, you win a bunch, you don't make the playoffs, you lose in the first round, you lose in the third round. If you won it the year before, you're blessed that you got that title and need to understand that you're not going to win it every year. Exactly. And and even with you know, with Chris, when you mentioned Chris Sale, this wasn't even a bad year for Chris Sale. It was just a roller coaster year. It was, it was, there were some highs and there were definite lows, but that's what, it's what's funny about a guy like Chris Sale is an inconsistent year is a bad year for him. Yeah, it absolutely was. It's not even bad. It's just inconsistent. It was, and so that, that's, what, that's what Chris Sale's definition of bad is. It was just like the entire Boston Celtics basketball team last year. It was completely inconsistent, which seemed to be going that way this year. And I just feel like we literally, when it comes to the Celtics, we completely turned the page last night. You beat a very good on fire LA team at home, 139 to 107, and you shut LeBron James down. Not only shut him down, you made a new poster out of him. Thank you, Jalen Brown, for doing that. I greatly appreciate it. I've shared those memes, I've shared the pictures. I was very excited to see what I saw of the Boston Celtics last night. It was so interesting to see, you know, a Laker team that has the Danny Green, it has LeBron, it has the Anthony Davis, granted who was coming back from a sore back, but it's it that's a that's a dangerous team that everyone that a lot of people are saying are going to go back to the NBA Finals this year. The only concern I have right now with the Boston Celtics, they are not big. And they can beat and we've talked we've talked about it just about every, every You're right. You're right. They can beat a team like LA. They proved it last night. Do I think right now, if they had to go head-to-head against the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals, that we'd win? No. We'd lose that series 4-1. We're not strong enough. We're still not strong enough. I think, as Boston fans, we don't really realize the, the, the genius that we have in all of our – just about all of our GMs with, you know, Robert Kraft of the Patriots – and you know it's who it's not, not it's not high and bloom now for the Red Sox. Who's the uh, they just got him? I'd I'd lie if I said the name right now, but they just grabbed him this year. It's not high and bloom. Nope, because he's not the new nope. GM. But, but you got Danny Ainge with the with the Celtics. And the Celtics and you got Sweeney. And Don Sweeney with the Bruins. It's just how it's just all it's, it's guys that that share a philosophy that. It might not be what the fans realize right away, but there's a reason for every single meticulous move that they make. Don't forget, guys, Danny Ainge, and he sold me on it. I I didn't believe it at first. But remember, when he shipped out Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, and Kevin Garnett. That hurt. It stung really bad. He said, please give me five years. He's like, this had to be done well, guess what? We gave them five years. We went to two Eastern Conference championships. And now we're looking to be right back in it again to where we can make a run this year with the team that we have. But we have a team of all-stars. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Gordon Haywood, Kimball Walker. That's huge. If we can fit the missing You could argue Marcus Smart, yeah, too. Yeah, Marcus Smart, who has gotten voted the best defensive player of the year. 
I firmly believe they can make it and they'll be strong. Um, it's hard for me. I don't know about you, Carter. I'm a basketball fan, guys. I follow the Celtics. Keep an eye on them. But it's hard for me to fully get invested like I do the Bees and the Patriots in the middle of the season. I almost look at the basketball season as I do baseball. The first 20 games are really, really exciting. And then you have that gap. And you kind of keep an eye on it. You follow them. You hope they win. It's hard to get frustrated when they lose just a regular season game. But then after the All-Star break, all hell breaks loose. It just, yeah, it just ramps yep. up. Playoff basketball is like un, like anything else. It, it's huge. And just like baseball, you guys know, I know none of you watch 162 baseball games. I know you don't. Don't tell me you do. <laughs> if you do, you're yeah, lying. If you do, you're lying. I'll listen to them. If I'm cooking dinner, eating, I'll, I'll put the socks on and watch it. But if they lose, I'm not mad. The Bruins lose, I'm pissed. The Patriots lose. I, I want to thank God there's no gasoline in my house because I'd probably light it on fire. But when the Celtics lose against the Cleveland Cavaliers or the New York Knicks on the 30th game of the year, I, I don't care. It's it's okay. Best that I remember. Isn't that, isn't that weird? It's so funny. Like the, you know, like I said, the, the Bruins lose. You know, we're pissed and we're asking questions. The Patriots lose. We're, you know, all hell breaks loose in the city of Boston. But you and I, are, you know, we're breaking everything down. We're like, this is <laughs> Celtics. Cel- the Celtics lose. We're like, eh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's the Celtics. Uh, yeah, and they'll bounce back. <laughs> Beth said, "I remember the '80s with Larry Bird, Robert Parrish, Kevin McHale, Danny Ainge. Beth, those were times that I wish. My dad talks about it all the time." Carter, I'm sure your family does too. I hear about those days all the time. But what's funny, we're just a little bit more blessed at this point in time, Beth, solely because all four teams are good. Because back in the 80s, the Bruins were not good. The Red Sox were not good. It took them another 20 years. The Patriots were horrible. They We all know how terrible the Patriots they went, were. What, 84, they went to the Super Bowl and got drilled by the Bears? Like, Beth, I feel for you, and I'm so glad you got to enjoy that, and I'm so glad you get to enjoy these now. It's it's a whole nother level, and I think that's why we get so angry, and that's why we get frustrated is because for the last 20 years, we've been able to enjoy winning 24-7. So when we do have a slump, it's like, wait a second, guys. What is this? You know what it is? It's normal. <laughs> <We're> just- <laughs> it's what every other franchise just about goes through on it on an annual basis. Like, think about being from Atlanta. You you finally get to the Super Bowl, and it's the best comeback in, in, in playoff history. You finally you have I mean, you have the Atlanta Braves who are so promising this year. <laughs> just made it, and you got like you got the Atlanta Hawks who are just a dumpster fire this season, but have Trey Young, and it's like, what are you gonna cheer for, <laughs> Courtney? I'll get yeah you, you you have the Atlanta Thrashers for a couple seasons, but <laughs> Courtney, I'll get your comment. You lose a franchise. No, and I'm with you because living here in North Carolina, there are so many Braves fans, and this fan base down here makes me so mad because they'll start to win. And then all of a sudden, when they start losing, you don't see the hats. You don't see the shirts. You don't see the Braves chomp. You, or you, you don't see any of it. It's gone. Hey, I just. That's, and that's wild. I was in Boston the last you know, four or five days. I still saw Patriots gear yeah, everywhere. Agreed. The back of my truck has a giant Patriots, Bruins, and Red Sox sticker. The only reason I don't have the Celtics, I don't have room for it. 
<laughs> Courtney, Courtney said, and Courtney, you're going to have to elaborate on this. At some point, whether it be on the Bruins page or on here, can you talk about the women's game happening at the All-Star game? Is there? Oh, yeah, the, the, the women's, I think they're doing the three-on-three. I didn't even know about it's that. The US, it, yeah, the, the, the it's USA and Canada, they're doing a women's three-on-three tournament at the All-Star. That game. is going to be awesome. Courtney, thank you for that. I did not. So it's going to be the USA women's hockey against Canada's women. Canada. Is it going to be a full, just a period? Do we do we know how long it's going to be? I can't remember the details, but I know it's going to be absolutely oh, electric. Awesome. It will make because me- you know what I like about it is you know the past. You look at the past All Star games; they've had them do. You know, they've had them participate in the skills, and you know they've done the the speed skating and and the you know the the accuracy and all that stuff. But now we get to see them play. That that's going to be awesome. I did not know that's happening, and not to even steer away from that. Another thing in the All Star game, I'm so excited about is the trick shot competition. They're going to be shooting pucks oh, from the, the stands down to the ice. That's going to be so cool to watch. Courtney says, "Is the NHL doing enough? Should they be promoting it more? Should they let women play in the actual All Star game?" So, Carter, I'll let you elaborate on it, but I'll start with this. Courtney, I don't think they should combine the NHL and women's hockey when it comes to allowing them to play in the actual same game. And I'm solely saying this due to the all-star game because there's no hitting. There's no, to me, the all-star game in hockey is the biggest waste of TV coverage, time, everything. The skills competition, that's great. That's a whole nother story. That's amazing. Have the women compete against the men in all of the all-star game when it comes to the skills competition. I firmly believe the women should have just like the WNBA. There should be a women's national hockey league. 110%. You have the NWHL. You do, but it's not even televised. No, I mean, but just, I mean, just, I mean, I, it, you know, you have your women's professional league. It's not the, it's not nearly the same, but I agree with you because, you look at the speed skating last year at the at the at the All Star game. Kendall Coyne Schofield she beat out a lot of yes. guys. She was faster than most of them. I think she came in fifth. And I look at I'm not I'm you can call me crazy, but I remember distinctly that when she crossed the finish line at the All Star game, that clock ran an extra it did. second or two. It she, did, and that bugged the hell now, out of me because she would have been first or second for. A very long time. So I think she would have finished second to McKay. Courtney says this and I 110% agree with her. She says, quote, I honestly think how the game is now, they should start looking at women in the draft. This is a sport that I could absolutely see women competing with men 110%. And please don't, I'm not saying women can't play football against men, basketball against men. I'm not saying any of that because I think it should be fair and equal across the board 110%. But if there's any sport that I had to throw that into first, it would be the NHL. I 100% agree with that. And I, I, I can't disagree with you, really, because, I mean, you look at the way the sport's moving with the fat, you know, the speed and the finesse. That's a sport, you know, that's a game where, you know, with the rules taken into account, you know, player safety taken into account, that it's you don't really have to be primarily concerned with player safety anymore. No, you don't. You you don't at all. And even Justin Lambert said the Boston Pride this year are undefeated. They're nineteen zero and zero. 
19-0-0, the Boston Pride. And for those of you that don't know, that is a hockey team in Boston because they don't get coverage. And it's so frustrating that they play out of warrior. The only time women's hockey is ever discussed is when it's international play. And that's it. They're looking at a one. It's it's just a bummer. And it it needs to be, it's, it's part of the reason why, you know, we can, we could, we could have a whole other podcast dedicated to this, but it's, you know, it's a whole reason why women's professional soccer is just barely starting to get televised on ESPN plus, or, you know, sometimes it's on ESPN two or, you know, and and then you got um, the the WNBA, which is in, which is it it really infuriates me. You know, you you can't even go on social media and mention the, the WNBA without getting yeah. Mad. But these these women are making are doing everything they possibly can. They're 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 filling stadiums, and people are like, oh, the seventeen fans going to be bummed that they didn't win this year. It's like, come on, man. No, and it's 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 just. It's there's so many things that, that we still have yet to accomplish for women's professional sports. And, um, um, and, and I'm not taking that, that what the NA, that what the NHL is doing with 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 the with the All-Star game is is so positive. Yes. And I'm not taking away from any other sport besides the four major professional sports you have now. But the fact that they'll show <laughs> please don't say this the wrong way, guys. The fact that they'll show curling and horse racing, which horse racing is huge, but he, dog shows, which I, I love dogs, so I'm not going down that avenue. But the fact that they'll show all that, but they'll steer away from posting the WNBA, they'll steer away from USA softball, like they'll steer away all that stuff until it's a major event. Quit just televising major women events. Televise it all, the, all of it. The women's final, the NCAA women's final four in March Madness is just being televised for the first time this this year. It's 2020. Think about That's that. Sad. Like compare that, compare that to March Madness for the men's tournament. You wouldn't even if 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 it was. I can't even come up with 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 proper English words to describe how contradictory that is. The women's final four is just being. I'm going to say it again. The women's final four for March Madness in college basketball is just being televised for the first time this year. The final four. I'll, so I'll say this. Courtney says, I don't think we're taking big enough steps. One thing I will say, Courtney, always remember no matter what it's got to do with, it's one step at a time. I do think there could be a bigger impact when it comes to women's sports 110%. But any step forward, like Carter's saying, the final four for the women's being televised, that's a huge step forward. There can be bigger steps. Uh, Justin says Warrior is also hosting this year's All-Star game for the W8, the NWHL. February 8th is the skills competition contest, and 9th is the All-Star game. That's sick. I might we should I might go and watch that. That, that should be that 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 needs to, every seat needs to be filled for that. I'll, I'll go to that. But guys, we're hitting an hour right now. This is the longest episode we have um, we've had so far, uh, solely because you guys are on here commenting. Uh, we talked about it before. As soon as Facebook allows us to bring live people on, we'll be glad to interact with you guys. That way, we can have it recorded. You can play it back, see yourself, hear yourself. Um, me and Carter did get some great news. Uh, first impressions 
is a shirt company that's in the making. They're currently working on their Facebook right now. Uh, we're going to try and get some swag out here soon with some T-shirts, maybe some hats, some koozies, some stickers, uh, trying to get a bunch of stuff out for you guys just to show support and uh, see if we can start getting all of you guys walking around in your cities with some off-the-post swag. That'd be pretty cool. But uh, this thing's growing, as always. Uh, haven't had this many people on the actual live feed. Carter, I know you're enjoying every minute of this as well. Absolutely. Um, we can't thank you guys enough. It's not easy, and without you guys, this wouldn't even be happening. Courtney said we just opened another can of worms and put the worm logo. We did, but it's a conversation that needs to be talked about. Um, all sports across the board, it's great for everybody. Um, which segues into off-the-post Boston sports, all Boston, all sports, all the time. Carter, as always, it's been a pleasure with you, bud. And uh, looking forward to another episode next week. Absolutely, man. It's always it's it's always a great. Time. We'll let the Tom Brady talk linger for another week and not even discuss because uh, nothing's changed. We don't know where he's going. No. And speculations are everywhere. So, well, uh, we'll talk to you guys later, Carter. Have a great night, everybody watching. Have a great night, everybody listening. Thank you for support, and it's off the post. Have a great night, guys.